Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 242. I am your host, Greg. I am here tonight with Tyler. Ryan has last minute um, plans with neighbors or something weird, but there's not a lot to talk about. So I guess we'll let Ryan slide. He doesn't have meat stuck in his throat. He's just got neighbor plans. But Tyler, how are you doing tonight? I am doing great. I can't really complain too much. I'm actually feeling a lot better not coughing as much not spitting up as much shit so uh no complaints there um looking forward to the hockey season we're getting closer to it so i'm happy about that the <laughs> you like lied jeez you lied as soon as i say that i start coughing but um yeah the weather here has been absolutely miserable it's been like fucking 100 percent humidity or it feels like it anyway so Gross. that's good how are you greg uh, I'm good. I have to go to Dallas on Wednesday for a work trip, which I'm not looking forward to. Dallas has been in the middle of a historic heat wave, uh, but it's in a cool off when I go. But I just I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Texas, so I'll be going down there for work for about a week. So we're going to get this. We're going to knock this out and then I can go to do my work thing and I won't have anything to worry about except for responding to people in the YouTube comments. So if you're not watching on YouTube, go check us out on YouTube, sub to the channel, turn on notifications. I put it pretty graphic. It's a good time. But we have a couple things to talk about tonight. It's going to be a quick episode because we're ramping up here. In a couple days, it's going to be training camp. But in the medi- in the intermediary between training camp and like, I don't know, a, a month before, maybe two weeks before, there's like no news because all the teams are getting ready to do their training camp stuff. So a couple things came out. The first we're going to touch on tonight is Alex Debrinkit. In a report by The Score that says Debrinkit was unhappy being behind Kachuk in the Senators lineup. It says Alex Debrinkit's exit from the Ottawa Senators appears to have stemmed from his desire to be higher on the team's depth chart than the cornerstone of the franchise, which I think is a funny 
thing to call Brady Kachuk. But it says Dabrinkit didn't like his role as a second-line winger. Behind Brady, sources told Post Media's Bruce Garrich. Uh, if he, and this is a quote from Tim Stutzla on 32 Thoughts, if he doesn't want to be there, I don't want to make him have to be there. That's fine to us. I think the whole group, we've been saying it. We want him to stay. We want him to be part of the group, and he's a great guy and a great player. If you don't want to be there, then good luck on your way. So, and then it goes on to give Kachuk's stats. He posted 35 goals and 48 assists in 82 games. And then it goes to say Dabrinkit had eight fewer goals and nine fewer assists. But what I kind of want to, okay, first I just want to get your thoughts on the on the kind of spinning of the statement, because I don't think Stutzla's statement says anything about that at all, but some person told Bruce uh, Garrich that that is what the issue was. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's a situation where Debrinkit didn't didn't want to be there or didn't want to be uh you know behind Kachuk. I think I you know think maybe that's be part there. of it. Yeah, I think he didn't want to be there. I think, you know, um he's he's alluded to how happy he is being in Detroit and obviously hasn't played a game yet, but you know, he's happy to be back around family, back, you know, where kind of where he grew up and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's as much w- what has to do with him not wanting to be in Ottawa, per se. I think he just wanted to be more in Detroit or closer to Detroit. So, I, I don't think it's a situation if he he cared about being behind Kachuk. I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. Well, I think that, to be fair, though, on that point, I think Dabrinkit would have been better ahead of Kachuk. If you would have put Dabrinkit with Stutzla and Claude Giroux, don't you think he would have made up that eight goals or more because he's a more established player, been in the league longer, knows more of what he is doing, and just he's got that natural, he's a natural sniper. So I think that if you put him with a guy like Claude Giroux, whose projected war was a 96 last season, or up to last season, EV offensive 94 and an EV defensive 86, and a Tim Stutzla who had a projected war of 84, I mean, his EV numbers are a little off, but his goals per 60 is good. His assists per 60 is good. Instead, you had him with Shane Pinto, whose projected war was a 56 with a 37 offense and a 75 defense. And Drake Batherson, whose war was a 63 with a 75 offense and a 29 defense. But then, I mean, Dabrinkit still put up number good enough numbers, I would say, being in a city he didn't want to be in on a team he didn't want to be on with uh, sub not subpar but lesser line mates than what he is used to so do you think i mean i think he would have done better with a Giroux and with a Stutzla and i think if you drop Brady Kachuk a line his numbers would look probably worse than what Debrinket did this season yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think I think one of the reasons they probably did it is is height on that line. I think you know Stutzel is not a small guy, and Drew's not a small guy, but they're not. I wouldn't say big guys either. And to have three, uh, what is Drew six one? Is he even that? He might even be only like five ten, five eleven. So, I mean, to have three, one is over six foot guy, and then the rest under five five. 10 5 11 i think was probably their reasoning behind it i I know maybe that that's kind of an old school way of looking at things um you know i mean kachuk is kind of getting paid like a first line winger at this point too so i guess that could be part of it as well um but yeah i mean 
I think to bring it coming to Detroit and and not having to worry about that whole like competition thing. He's the first first line left winger more than likely or right winger, I guess. Um, you know, he doesn't have to worry about that. I I think the whole the whole comments are kind of overblown a little bit, to be honest. I think they're just trying to find a way to explain him leaving away. They're just trying to explain it away and not and make it sound like it's his fault. But I mean, and the other half of it was that Brady Kachuk, they said, well, he'll be on the top line because he had so many hits and because he's so aggressive, you put him on that top line as like a bully. But I mean, it's it's neither here That's nor there. I, I would think I think I would rather have a a pure scorer on that top line than a bully on the top line. So I think that it was, that's the interesting part of like the off seasons where you get to this point and you've got to kind of keep fueling things up until training camp starts, because there's no reason like this article came out two days ago. Why even put this out there? Like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to just release an article saying he was unhappy being behind Kachuk and then not really, having anything to back it up when you go and you look at the stats of the people around them and you could see, well, maybe he was, but I mean, there'd be good reasoning for him to be unhappy playing on the second line. Uh, no, I agree with you. I think the old school way of thinking is, oh, he's, he's a bully. He can play on the first line kind of thing. Um, the other, the other theory, this is where you get into like the theory of, do you have your three best players on the same line or do you try to balance it out? I mean, and that's the old school theory I would say, or like, you know, yeah, old school theory versus a new school kind of theory. And honestly, I think you can have success with both ways. I mean, having, you know, your three best players on the first line and then kind of having everything else come to the mean uh, where, you know, if you balance everything out, maybe the scoring is a little bit better, you know, throughout the lineup. But I don't know. I mean, I think this is kind of a nothing burger. I think people are just trying to stir shit up for no reason. And this is typical Canadian media, so. Yeah, I just think that going with a line with Larkin and Debrinket and whoever is their other winger, because that's still up in the air, I think there's a very good chance that Debrinket rebounds and goes back to his former self because you're working, he'll be working with established playmakers and established talent on a top line where I think they're going to replace him with Vladimir Tarasenko. And if he stays healthy, good for him. But. I'm not sure it's going to have the the same effect because if you put Tarasenko with a Batherson and a Pinto, I mean, you're not going to, you're not, you shouldn't expect that much going into the season with that combination. Not to mention Tarasenko is 31 and I think he's played, he's played a lot of hockey at this point. I think yeah, he's, been like, hurt he's a not a too. young, he's not a young 31 years old. He's a, a preseason 31 years old. I mean, he's had 675 games in the NHL. Yeah, he's been a great hockey player, you know, for a while here. Good winger with St. Louis and, and stuff like that. Um, I think the numbers weren't as great with the Rangers last year. So I, I don't know. We'll see what happens with Tarasenko. But I think replacing Taras, re- replacing the Brinkett with Tarasenko is, is a, I would say, a, definitely a downgrade. Especially at Tarasenko, like we don't know, Tarasenko came back from injury, but he has an injury history, which kind of is a little sketch. So, he, like you said, he's not a brand new, fresh out the box Vladimir Tarasenko. He's like a beaten, worn down, aging Vladimir Tarasenko who's had several injury uh, issues. Well, but they also got Dominic Kubelik, 
So that's the other half of it. And Kubalik will give them some offense. But again, unless you're playing him, Kubalik did his best when he was playing with Larkin, when he was playing with that high-level talent that you're not going to put him with probably in Ottawa. There's a lot of people, and I talked about this on the Hockey Podcast Network. I think the Florida Cats podcast had a roundtable, and I was part of it speaking on behalf of Detroit. And it seemed like everyone else was undervaluing the Red Wings. They were downplaying them. They said, oh, they didn't get much better. Their goaltending is suspect. Uh, what it, they got sure they got to brink it, but Ottawa is going to be so much better. Buffalo is going to be so much better. They don't have anything to worry about. And everyone else basically had us right above Montreal. And I said, I think a lot of people are underestimating what the Red Wings can do with how they balance their lineup how they got depth and scoring on each line. Now, how they improve their defense. And people are, oh, it's Justin Hole. He sucks. Or, oh, you still have Ben Sherratt. He sucks. But if they're playing lower roles and you've got a Gossis Baron and you're going to bring a guy like Edvinson, and we'll talk about after the commercial break, I, I think a lot of people are undervaluing the moves made in the offseason by the Red Wings. And how the teams around us not necessarily got weaker, but I think have a lot more question marks than they did leaving the off season or leaving the regular season. I agree with you hundred percent. I think people are sleeping on the Red Wings. Um, I wouldn't say that, you know, they're a slam dunk playoff team, but I mean, if you look at where they're at, you know, if good things happen in terms of Boston coming back and maybe being a wild card team, um, you know, you have situations where Florida may not be as good as, as you thought as they were Tampa's last aging. year. Tampa's definitely Vassie, aging. Vassy's showing cracks. Yep. Toronto will be probably as good as they've been over the last couple of years this year. Uh, they might be the, the cream of the crop in the division. We'll see what happens. Um, but it's certainly something that I, I don't I can't understand when, when people say like, oh, Ottawa and Buffalo are that much better. Do they have more like impact players? Maybe um, like, like, I don't know that we have a Stutzler right now. Um, like a young guy like that. I don't know that we have a player like that. Maybe Lucas Raymond, if, if, you know, everything goes well for him. Um, but I, that's the one thing. Um, do we have a Shabbat? I mean, you could probably put him and, and Cider kind of in the same conversation. I'd say Cider's better. I think Cider's better, yeah. But again, like I said, Shabbat is a little bit older. so We've got a Simon Edvinson. Exactly. We have a Simon Edvinson. So I, I think Detroit's better than Ottawa. Are they better than Buffalo? That's where I get in a little bit of a debate. I think Buffalo's goaltending has a potential of being much better. I think the forwards are a little bit more elite. But again, I think Detroit's defense is a little bit better than Buffalo's. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, again, Buffalo's defense is is pretty young still with Owen Power. And, and Darlene is still relatively young, I would say. So I don't know. I mean, I think there you're, you're closer to being on par with Buffalo, but I think you're better than Ottawa. I really do. The problem with Buffalo is that their forward group is really bad defensively. They have to be able to outscore you in bunches to be able to beat basically. And I don't know. I don't know why you're so high on their goalie tandem of Eric Comrie and Uka Pekalukanen. No, uh, that is, the, it's going to be Devin Levi, Devin That's Levi right now. I, I, I don't know. He's never, he's not been a starter in the NHL and that's a lot of pressure to put on a kid. 
I think if you're going at our looking at our division and who has the biggest question mark at goal, it's going to be the Sabers, and then uh, what version of Corpusalo the Sens get. That's going to be your two your two question marks and goal. I think the Red Wings put themselves in a good situation where you picked up a perennial starter as your backup or your 1B off a down year who's had technically an anomaly year for him who can take 10 games off of Huso and lighten that load. And you come back with a healthy Huso and a Reimer who could play every, I don't know, four or five games and then the other side of back-to-backs. And I think you're... I think you're more, you have a more stout roster, I think, and a more balanced roster than a lot of these other teams. Like you said, though, even though you don't have a, a Claude Giroux or you don't have, uh, you're not going to go out and get a guy like, uh, or maybe your top line is not as good as Tuck, Thompson, and Skinner, which is fine. But there's there's a lot going down the lineup where you're not playing a Kyle Ocposo. You're not you're not relying on a guy like uh, I mean Jordan Greenway well, has has been okay or yeah so Skinner well Skinner brought his game back up last season so I think you're you're look, going in looking at a more defensively sound forward core as to where Buffalo's forward core defense is bad I think like you said people are undervaluing the Red Wings they're underestimating the Red Wings and could be surprised going into the season because I don't think. I mean, I, there's no way we're an 80-point team again. Absolutely not. Unless we have devastating injuries to start the season. And that's the one thing that you can't really account for. That's one exactly. thing that, that you just kind of never know with. But, I mean, this team is built, I think, to withstand certain injuries um, more so than before. I think there's a lot yeah. more depth. Especially on defense. Definitely on defense. Yeah, definitely on defense. I mean, because if a Justin Hall or a you know, God forbid a Jake Wallman go down. Hey, guess what? Simon Edvinson's coming up. Hey, Albert guess Johansson. what? Al- Albert Johansson. Hey, guess what? You know, maybe William Wallander. So, um, you know, and by the way, you know, you you do have like a lot of depth that forward. You know, you have Joe Valeno, who's probably your last forward. Michael Rasmussen coming off injury. There's a lot of depth there. And uh, I mean, again, like I said, that this is probably the best team we've seen since that 2014 team that made the playoffs 2015-16 was the last team that made the playoffs yeah so it's almost been 10 years since we've made the playoffs and like you know again like i said i wouldn't like put money on it specifically but i would say i'm interested to see what their over under win is like projected win is this year because i would say if i were to if I was Vegas, obviously I'm not, but if I was, I would say it'd probably be somewhere between what 85 and 87, right? Somewhere. Would that be the over under? If you put the over under, I would say if you put the over under at 85, uh, right now I would take the over. I agree. Points for the Red Wings. I would take the over because I think think we would have done that last season. What do you think it takes to make the playoffs? So when we were discussing it last week, I think we're in the strongest division in the NHL, and I think you could have five teams from our division make the playoffs. And I think you're probably looking at 92, maybe, to make the playoffs. And I think it's doable. And especially with, like, like some people around us made some moves, but they didn't get, like, Toronto's defense got weaker. Boston lost big players. Tampa's getting older. Got way worse. 
Tampa lost uh, Alex Kalorn. And you look at it and you go, okay. And then you look at Buffalo and like we already talked about their deficiencies. And you look at Ottawa and we talked about their deficiencies. And yes, we're in a great division. We're still in the best division in hockey, more than likely. But we improved our team. And I think that's what a lot of people are looking at. The individual pieces and not the sum of the pieces and how they fit together. And how they mesh. So I I think if you're going to put money on the Red Wings and if it's an over under on points and they set it at like 85, I would take the over. So I think we're going to leave that subject. Uh, We're going to take a quick break for word from DraftKings to be back with some comments from Steve Eiserman. They happened a while ago now, but we didn't get a chance to touch on them. So I want to touch on them. And uh, yeah, and that's how we'll close out the episodes. We'll be right back after a commercial break. College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Change comes fast. The only thing that is a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. And we're back. And we have a couple, so we decided during commercial breaks, we have a couple more things we want to talk about. We'll glance over this one uh, pretty quickly. And it's Lucas Raymond was on 32 Thoughts with Elliot Friedman. They're doing their, like, uh, Swedish um, tour currently, where they're talking to all the Swedish uh, NHL players while they're over there. And Lucas Raymond was on, and Elliot asked him a bunch of the normal stuff, like, what's it like bringing in all these guys and and. Lucas Raymond said a lot to the effect of it it feels really good because it's putting them in a position to win and making the team better. And they all have a positive outlook. And then he asked him about like, what was funny is like, so name the play, the player you hate the most from each team, (laughs) which player do you hate the most on Ottawa and hate the most on Buffalo? And he's like, well, I'm gonna keep that to myself. You knew he wasn't going to answer that. No. Yeah. But what was interesting is like, yeah, they feel the rivalry coming. They feel that it's going to be, good to compete with the teams that are closest to you in the standings and closest to you in a rebuild, even though they've both been rebuilding for a million years and we've only been rebuilding for five, but it was an interesting conversation and you can go listen to it. Um, It's easier to do in the TSN um, website because you can just forward directly to the part where Raymond talks, but he sounds not excited because Lucas Raymond, I don't think I've ever heard him sound excited, but he sounds hopeful for the season and the changes that Iserman made and his game specifically that he uh, had a big summer and we know he had a big summer put on a lot of weight or put on a lot of muscle and is going to push himself even more so I thought it was a really interesting conversation I'm going to say this jokingly but then I'm going to say it like seriously at the same time 
is there ever been a less Swedish sounding or like name like player Lucas Raymond? Like he doesn't sound Swedish. He doesn't talk. Dude like has the Swedish. whitest name. He doesn't ever. look Swedish. <laughs> like is he like? Do we need to do like a check? Like is he actually Swedish? It, it's kind of perplexing. But anyways, the comments weren't weren't like breathtaking or anything like that. But I thought it was funny that he said. You know, he he obviously wasn't going to answer that question, as I said before. But I thought it was kind of funny at the fact that he was just like, yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of feel a, a little bit of a rivalry coming between, you know, Detroit and obviously Buffalo and Ottawa. And, you know, those yeah, games. Yeah, because he asked him about the games more. against I, Ottawa where they were heated. I also thought it was kind of funny how, how Elliot brought up the whole, like, he's friends with Rasmus Dahlin. And he just goes like, yeah, we're friends. We're fr- we're good friends. I'm good friends with Rasmus Dahlin. I've known him a long time. Blah blah blah. And then Elliot goes, "Well, is it like a relationship where you're friends on and off the ice, or or it, you know, is, is it is it a situation where you're friends off the ice, and then when the game comes comes on and you know you're on the ice, all hell breaks loose." He's like, "Yeah, the second one." So, um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Again, like nothing too groundbreaking. I think the Wings are are one of those organizations that kind of tells their team to keep things tight lipped a little bit and and try to like not say as much as you would in a lot of situations and some other teams I think kind of let their players do what they want but I don't think the wings are one of those teams no I think they're going to keep their roster like to keep their management group literally nothing comes out unless Steve Eiserman puts his rubber stamp on very it. New England Patriots-esque beautiful but we're going to talk a little bit more about Steve Eiserman, and he did have... Now, this was September... Uh, this came out September 10th. Uh, this was written September 10th, but the thing happened a little bit ago. Eiserman uh, was in Grand Rapids and had a media availability and was asked a bunch of questions. He was asked about playoffs at the West Michigan Sports Commission, and he said, we would love to make the playoffs this season, but it but is playoffs a, or bust internally? No. And he says, our goal isn't just to make the playoffs. Our goal is to build a championship team, a team that can compete for a championship, which we had said. Like, Eiserman is trying to build a dynasty. He had also said that, like, winning the Stanley Cup as a general manager would be better than winning the Stanley Cup as a player because you built the team. You came in and you changed the roster and you made incremental moves every single year in order to get that team to a championship. But what Eiserman's not trying to do, and like we've said, is not be a flash in the pan. He doesn't want to make it and be a one and done. He wants to set the prospect pool up for continued success. He wants to set the team up for continued success. And he wants to set the cap up for continued success. He wants to be able to roll guys in and out as he pleases and bring in uh, prospects when they're ready to play. And he wants to just keep it going. You got to build the engine. And if this is where Iserman wants to be, if this is, if Iserman says, I don't even remember how old he is right now. What's Iserman in his mid fifties? 55 maybe something like that if he wants to stay with this team and this is like where he wants to end his career he wants to be the gm for the next 20 years of the red wings or whatever he needs great 20 years would take him to 78 which i'm sure he will want to retire before that so say eiserman wants to be here for 15 years you need to start early and you need to keep it going at a consistent pace. And that's what he's doing. And of course it's not playoffs or bust internally because you have to set your expectations from the very beginning that if we don't make the playoffs, but maybe we're two points out, 
Maybe we're four points out. Maybe we have some injuries and we miss it. But we show that our players are developing and we show individual player progress and we show team progress and the coach shows progress in his, his systems. Then, yes, that is a win. It is not a bust. And then we keep moving forward because, again, we've got another like $30 million next season in cap space. So I like that comment that it's not playoffs or bust because it's not. He also says that the moves we're making along the way aren't necessarily designed toward, oh, my God, we got to make the playoffs this year. We're trying to build a nucleus of a young team that's going to be together for a long time that can compete in the playoffs for the Stanley Cup. And we're sticking with that path, which I absolutely appreciate 100 percent. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, and and that's that's really what it should be. You should always try and build. It it shouldn't just be like a one off. Like even if you were to win a Stan, one Stanley Cup, right? Like you want to keep winning. The goal is to continue being a good franchise. Are you? Is the goal to win the Stanley Cup every year? Well, you know, at once you get to that point and you're a Stanley Cup contender and you have a nucleus um, that you can have for five to ten years. I mean, that's where you try to strike while the iron's hot. Um, and, and I think that's the the biggest thing to me is like, if you talk about like players and, and, and I guess Steve Eisenman specifically as a general manager, does he want to be in Detroit forever? Who knows? I would imagine, you know, he won here as a player. He wants to win here as a general manager. Uh, after that, who knows? Uh, it's kind of like the Jim Harbaugh situation at Michigan, kind of similar. Um, but I guess my biggest thing is it's like when they are finally ready to win like how long is it going to take to win a stanley cup and then that's that's one thing that none of us can really answer and steve eisenman can't even answer that because sometimes you have the best team in the national hockey league and you run into a team that just for some reason has your number i guess it happens a little bit less and less it feels like upsets are kind of happening a little bit less and less right now i guess maybe not i don't know i i feel like the better team typically wins in the stanley cup playoffs as as they are right now with all the penalties and everything like that so i mean if you have the best team but say your power play struggles i mean you're probably not going to win the stanley cup so unless you're 2011 boston for somehow they ended up making it work but again that's an anomaly that's not the rule itself so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens and, and the way that the team is built. I, I like it. I wish like everybody, we could have gotten a lottery player and, and kind of sped this up a little bit, but I guess your quote unquote lottery player without being a lottery player is most cider. Yeah. And I mean, you could still may, I mean, I, it'll be a while before you look back at the Edmondson draft and, and see how that is because he has the possibility of being a top pairing defenseman. And then uh, Lars, our buddy Lars, even said the same thing about uh, Sandin Palika, which I'm going to say the same thing, too, because he has the possibility of being a top pair defenseman as well. But I think he'll be pushed to the second pair because he's not most cider, but you can compare him to a Brian Rafalski. I'm looking at the last thing Iserman said was, I don't feel any extra pressure. I was hired to do a job and I understand the job and the scrutiny that comes with it, but it doesn't change what you have to do or what needs to be done which tells you the Iser plan, 100% still in effect. It is going to roll on whether you like it or not. So suck it up, get on the bus. We're going to win a championship eventually, but we just don't know how long it's going to take. I will still say that we'll be in competition for one in probably four-ish seasons, four to five seasons, I would say. I think I think getting an Alex to bring it really bumped us up 
And I think that'll be an important piece going forward because Iserman has the prospects and the picks to make other moves in next offseason or whenever he wants to do it. The other piece that came out of that Iserman press conference was he said that defense and uh, Simon Evanson has been skating in Detroit and likely won't be ready for the start of training camp, but he believes he'll be ready for the season opener. And this is where it gets a little bit more interesting. Because if Edvinson is ready for the season opener, and say you play him, I don't know, you play him three games in Grand Rapids, or if he's saying season opener, he means Red Wings season opener. And then you have to see, hey, who's not going to make the roster? Who's going to be your extra? Who might get demoted? Because in the Red Wings system, the best player that is going to have the greatest impact on the team and is ready to be a full-time NHLer should make the team. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, again, if he makes the team out of training camp, obviously you said he's not going to be ready for it. But, I mean, if he pushes and and he looks damn good in the practices and everything like that, I mean, you can't not put that guy in the roster. I mean, he's – I guess you could put him in Grand Rapids for just a little bit and see how it goes. But I feel like at this point he's ready to play in the NHL. That's why it's perplexing to why they made the Hall deal or they made the Gossus Bear deal. Uh, I mean, obviously, you can kind of sit guys or wave guys if you have to. Um, but I guess that's the depth piece of this whole thing. You know, that that's kind of where I'm confused with the situation. If Edmondson is a guy that Eisenman looks at that should be on the roster, could quote unquote, could be around for opening night, then something's got to give still with this decor. Yeah, and I... And it's not going to be for like a lot of people be like, well, he makes this much money, so you can't do anything with him. And that's bullshit. Like you can do whatever you want. Like this is hockey. OK, like it, it, Iserman's playing GM mode right now. We just got Jeff Petrie. Great. If Jeff Petrie is your seventh D because Edvinson is in the lineup. Phenomenal. You'll figure out what to do with Ben Sherratt later. Wave Ben Sherratt and send him to Grand Rapids. That's fine. You can do that. He'll be expensive in, in Grand Rapids. Wasn't Justin Ablocator expensive in, in Grand Rapids? Uh, last I checked, yes. So there have been several players who just because they have a high-value contract, that doesn't mean you can't send them to the minors. And you put Ben Shroud on waivers, no one's taking him because of what he made. And you get an injury, he can come right back up. And that's absolutely fine. Uh, did DeKaiser do that as well? We've yeah. had players in the past that were sent. Yeah, DeKaiser did it. Sent down and then came back because of injury. And you could do it with whoever. So if you're, if, if Edvinson's ready to go and he comes and he says, I'm ready, this is my spot, I'm taking it. And your top pair ends up being Wallman and Sider. And your second pair ends up being Edvinson and Hole or Edvinson and you slide Ghost to the right. And your third pair is Mata and Hole or Mata and Petrie, and you have your extra, you're automatically better at that point. Automatically better. I agree. I want to backtrack just real quick to what you said about the Stanley Cup contender and, and when that can come. I mean, who knows? I will say one thing. It could come sooner. It could come a little bit later. Um, you know, everyone said that, you know, Vegas was, you know, up, up a team that was probably on the downhill and then they ended up, you know, going and getting Mark Stone and they end up trading for Jack Eichel. And, you know, they kind of fortified the goalie position and they kind of fell into it. They got a little lucky. You know, people forget about this to win a Stanley cup. Sometimes you have to be lucky. The bounces just have to go your way. Um, the power plays have to go your way. You know, sometimes you just need luck. 
Um, sometimes you get a hot goalie uh, that's a third string guy like Vegas did. So again, could it come sooner? Yeah, it could come next year. Who knows? Maybe Lucas Raymond becomes a 55 goal scorer. Like I'm not Holy saying shit, Tyler, I, calm down. <laughs> I wouldn't bet on it. I'm I'm just saying I wouldn't bet on it, but let's let him get 30 first. What if Simon Edvinson is somehow better than Mo Sider and we have the two-headed monster on defense? Like, See, what I think it's going to be is I think Edvinson can be as good as Sider, but the opposite Mo Sider. It's like the anti-Mo. He'll be like great yeah. offensively and he'll be like really good defensively. As to where Mo is going to be great defensively and he can be really good offensively. So I think you'll be able to, and, and I don't think, and we had mentioned this before, I don't think maybe down the road you'll have a pairing of Sider and you'll have a Sider uh, Edvinson top pair because your second pair could be now here's where I'm going to go off the rails a little bit in five seasons or four seasons. If your top pair is cider and Edvinson and your second pair is Sandy Palika and William Wallander, like that's killer, man. Like you could have the best defensive group in the entire is as much as people say we have a weak defensive core right now in three seasons or four seasons, we could have one of the top defensive groups in the entire league, which is I don't think it's really weak scary. At all. I, don't I don't think, think it's, it's weak, weak either. No, I think it's underestimated, and I think people are basing it a lot on past performances of guys like Hull, who their performance in the regular season was good, but their performance in the postseason was not. And you look at guys like Gostaspear, who had kind of a he had kind of a rebound season last season, and I think he can carry it forward again. And Olimat is a stable defenseman. Ben Sherratt sucks, but that's besides the point. It, I think there's a lot of possibility in the defense. And it's only bolstered by guys who, who should be ready to play in the NHL, like uh, Albert Johansson and like a Simon Edvinson. And you got guys coming up in Sunday Palika and William Wallander. And it's going to happen. It's just the speed at which it happens, which is why Iserman will sign forwards to five-year contracts, but he's not going to sign defensemen to five-year contracts. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, obviously, Cider might be the exception to the rule at some point once once the situation comes and, and Mo Cider's contract is up and they they want to get ahead of it instead of paying him, you know, $14 million a year if he's, you know, a top two defenseman in the NHL or a top five defenseman in the NHL. Uh, maybe they want to get ahead of it, buy out some free agency years, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I think that would be the exception. The one thing I will say too, is we talk about the championship, the next one, um, you know, because we, I don't think we doubt that it's going to happen. We just don't know when it's going to happen. I think this is going to be the best one of our lifetime. Like I know that the people that, you know, saw the 97 Stanley cup would probably say otherwise, right. Because that was the first time in what 55 years or whatever. This, like, Steve Eisenman, Hockey Town's, you know, um, son, basically, coming back to Detroit after, you know, beating our ass when he was in Tampa twice in a row. He coming coming to Detroit and winning a Stanley Cup, hoisting one as a general manager with Dylan Larkin as the captain and Mo Sider and those guys. I Imagine mean, that picture. That picture uh, will be framed on my wall. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And again, like I said, what do you agree with that though? That like in our lifetime, I know you're a little bit older than me, not throwing shade or anything like that, but like I think in my lifetime, the 08 one is always the one that will stick out. I think not winning in 09 certainly 
you know, kind of hurts a lot still. But, like, I think if they were to win in 2026, say, or 2027, and they're the 2026 Stanley Cup champions, I think that would be the greatest story in in, in, in my lifetime, for sure, in terms of the Red Wings. Because you, you followed it through the, the good times of winning, you know, making the playoffs 25 straight years, and then you went eight or nine or ten straight years without making the playoffs. And then finally, you you built yourself to a Stanley Cup contender, and you finally climbed the mountain and won the Stanley Cup. I think that would be. And I think it's better because we're at an age where we can really appreciate it. That's the thing. Like when you're a kid, it's cool. Like it's really cool. Your team won the championship, but you don't really like. We're so into it now. We're like we're looking at micro stats and we're figuring out what players are eating for breakfast to know if they could change something. And and we're really invested in it more. I mean, we're what it's year six of the podcast. And yeah. so we're, we're invested in when it, when the payoff finally happens, I think it'll be that much better because we, we saw it through the whole thing and we lived it and we reported on it weekly and we did its ups and downs as to where I feel like it almost feels like you're more of a part of it than you were when yeah, you just watch no it doubt. on TV and let them let in and let the games go by. But um, I'm going to end it with this. Uh, it sounds like Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles. Uh, so he might be done for the season. And uh, for any of you people uh, listening that are also nerds and have been trying to find, uh, there's a new card game out called Disney Lorcana. It is fantastic. Uh, I pulled a $900 card today, Tyler. What card is it? Uh, it's Elsa from Frozen. Um, and it's like an alternate art version. 900 bucks. So uh, you can hit me up the DMs. It? I might. I think it's cool, and I'm trying to decide whether it's going to go up in value or decrease in value, depending on whether I want to sell it. Because a few weeks ago, it was only 700, and then a couple just sold for the last one I saw sold for 925. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but Tyler, I want to get your final thoughts before we sign off. What do you got? Yeah, uh, my final thoughts are. I mean, when you talk about like a hockey season that you're looking forward to. And I know we talked about, you know, the 25 years in the Stanley cup playoffs and all that good stuff. And then, you know, it kind of coming to an end and us really staring a giant rebuild in the face when we finally make the playoffs again. And we finally, you know, climb that mountain and do win the Stanley cup. Cause I do think at some point it is going to happen. That's going to feel amazing. But not only that, like, what what is it going to feel like this season to actually watch meaningful hockey? Because I know I've watched ninety eight percent of the games, um, you know, dating back to when they were when I was a kid. But you know, it 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 feels different when you're in it. It really feels different when you're in. It. I know, like, I've had situations where, and I'll I'll admit a hundred percent where like I have the game on, I'm watching it, but I'm also on my phone on Twitter and stuff because it's like yeah, well, this is March and we just traded everybody away. So it's like, you know, we're watching it to watch young guys at this. Hopefully this year we're watching it to, you know, compete for the playoffs. This is, this is the point of, of, of watching this great game that we, we watch and cover is to make the playoffs and to, to hope your team has a chance to hoist that Stanley cup at some point. So those are my final thoughts. You can follow me on Twitter at seal dog. Uh, I agree with what Tyler said. Uh, you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. Check out our merch shop at Redbubble by searching the Grindline. I'm adding stuff to it as we go. 
There is a new Andrew Cop shirt up there, which is cool. It's done in the, uh, for those of you that are older and Tyler might not know the show Cops. Uh, it's I've in that font. Uh, so it looks pretty cool. Um, but that's that. You can uh, follow the Hockey Podcast Network at Hockey Podnet. We also thank them for hosting us and spreading us around. We'd like a shout out to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. Uh, like we said earlier in the show, go sub to us on YouTube. Turn on those notifications. We'll get notified whenever an episode goes live. We are getting into hockey. So like four days, three days, there's actually going to be stuff to talk about because the prospect tournament is going to start. We will talk about prospect performances, and I'm going to have to youtube all the games because i'm gonna be in texas but uh it'll be there'll be content more frequently coming out i do little segments in between episodes and everything as well so go check us out on youtube and sub to the channel uh let's give a shout out to howie's hockey tape where he's a promo code grindline you get 10 percent off your order if you the same promo code on bring hockey back you'll get 12 percent off your order um but that is going to do it for us tonight so for tyler i am greg you stay classy hockey town